Welcome to the Message Podcast from Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe for updates and new episodes. You can find us on most major podcast outlets. Visit cotnaz.org for more info. Our worship services stream weekly on Sundays at 9 a.m. on YouTube and Facebook Live. You can also find our live stream at cotnaz.org. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. We have a campus near Harrisonburg at 1871 Boyers Road. We also have a campus in East Rockingham at 414 South East Side Highway in Elkton. In addition, our Spanish-speaking campus meets on Sundays at 11.45 a.m. at that same 1871 Boyers Road location. Check out our website, cotnas.org, for more info. You're learning more about me, you know, and you still come back, which I'm not sure what that says about you, but um, you're learning more about me, and one of the things you're going to learn is I don't do traffic. Like, you truck drivers, like, y'all can have it. I ain't dealing with it. (laughs) But I was headed to Fredericksburg, and Fredericksburg's not a huge city, but it's bigger than Elkton, okay? So I I went 33, 29, and went Route 3, and I was running a little late because things on Thursday... I was getting into Fredericksburg at rush hour, like 5 to 6 o'clock, and it's like pandemonium. You know those journeys you're on, like you're coming out of the country and you start picking up more traffic, then suddenly you pick up another lane, and the next thing you know, you got the death grip on the wheel. Just, Lord, get this thing out of here. Well, that was me uh, headed there, and I'm already thinking, Lord, I I just want to turn around. Take me back to Elkton. (laughs) And, you know, it's in those moments that it's really, like, revealed that, Man, there's times in our journey, whether it's immense traffic, and don't make fun of me, like traffic from East Fredericksburg, I don't need to go any farther north, but whether it's traffic or it's a challenging season at work or school or whatever we're going through, like there's some part of us that just wants to throw in the towel and turn around, even though we know we've got somewhere we need to go. We know we've got a plan. We recognize that feeling. As we begin our summer teaching series, uh, we're going to see that the children of Israel, the children of God throughout scriptures also came to times where they wished they could turn around. Even though God was moving and displaying his power, yet they still had that desire that we face today, many thousands of years later, of wanting to turn around. I'd like to welcome you to the introduction to our series, The Wanderers. The wanderers. Over the next several weeks throughout the summer, we're going to journey through the story of God's people through deliverance of being brought up out of the land and the, the slavery and the bondage of Egypt through their journey in the wilderness where God was calling and transforming his people. The story of the children of Israel and their redemption from Egypt is, and, and their journey to the promised land is a story that is full of defining moments. And it was the quintessential moment of identity for all of God's people. And so, friends, that means it's our story, too, if we're in God's kingdom. We are God's children. This is our story, too. It's a story full of God's grace, his mercy, and, yes, his faithfulness. It's the first time that we hear the words redemption and salvation used in Scripture. It's a powerful display of God's power over evil and his miraculous provision for his people. And yes, it's also a story of God's everlasting patience with his people because it's also a story of an idolatrous and unfaithful and grumbling people that yet God still wanted to enter into covenant relationship with. 
If you were to think today of the moments that defined your life, what would they be? Would you think of maybe a graduation or an achievement at work or maybe marriage or family? We have those defining moments. And for the people of God, this story of wandering in the desert was their defining moment. It's hard for us today, and it's going to seem like I go on, but it's hard for us to grasp today just how integrated, how a part of the identity of the people this very story was. Their calendars, just like we celebrated Memorial Day and we're headed towards the 4th of July and we have all these markers on our calendar that we celebrate, that was the story of the people of God. Their calendars celebrated this event, this journey out of the wilderness and into the promised land. It marked that journey. So every year they remembered, they celebrated and were called to remember God's faithfulness. Even as this story uh, went on through the generations, as Jesus comes on the scene, as his story unfolded, many of the Jews in that day, they came to understand, they came to see Jesus' work, his life, death, and resurrection as a new exodus. That's how they framed what Jesus was doing, that he was offering an exodus from the realm of sin, death, and the grave. They saw him as the new Moses. So as we journey through this story throughout the summer, we're seeking to gain a fresh understanding. We want to see the important issues and the factors that were related to their journey. We want to see, yes, the miraculous work of God, but yes, we want to understand the failures of the people. We want to know those moments as well. Paul said, the Apostle Paul, when he was writing to the church in Corinth, he said in 1 Corinthians 10, 11 and 12, He said, these things, he's speaking of these wanderings, this series that we're getting ready to get into. He said, these things, these wanderings happened to them, the people of God, as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. In verse 12, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. That's why we want to dive in. That's why we want to understand this story. Throughout the series, we're going to see snapshots and different parallels to our own lives. And yes, we want to heed the warnings. Can you see yourself in some of these moments? Like the crossing of the Red Sea, the waters parted before you. Can you see yourself in that? Can you see yourself marching around the walls of Jericho as they crumble at God's word? Can you see yourself a part of God's story? I hope you will. I hope you will because this is our story too. It's not just a historical event for us to learn and understand. It's a story for us to be a part of. And that's our goal throughout this series. Let's pray together as we kick it off. Lord, We thank you for your power. Lord, we thank you for your word that has preserved the stories of your power and your faithfulness through generations. And Lord, you invite us into your story today. And so God, will you open our hearts, open our minds and our ears to discern your voice. And Lord, may we hear your call to trust you and to join you in your story, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. We love you and we ask these things in your name. Amen. We're going to begin our series today at the crossing of the Red Sea.
the Red Sea crossing is the moment when God gave his people a seemingly impossible victory over the powers of Egypt, over the powers of those who had been enslaving them for generations. It's the defining moment of deliverance and, yes, redemption for his people. In this story, God saves his people from the pursuing Egyptian army by splitting, by literally parting the waters of the sea that they might walk through on dry ground and be saved. And yes, the power of God ultimately destroyed the enemy of his people. Let's begin our story today in Exodus 14. Uh, we're going to read a couple verses at a time, then unpack it and read a couple more and unpack it. So that's going to be our style today. Uh, this first section is verses 10 through 14 of Exodus 14. Verse 10 says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. It says, they were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there's no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say, didn't we try to tell you, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Verse 13, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Finally, in verse 14, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. So as we jump into this story here, the people of Israel have been told by Pharaoh to get out of here, to leave. And they look up and they're in terror. They're bewildered at the sight of the Egyptians coming and pursuing him after being told to leave. And at the sight of the chariots and this elite force that has been gathered to pursue them down, they understood they were defenseless against this army. They had no chance through human eyes. And it's in this panic cry, they cry out to the Lord and they even begin to cry out against Moses and, and they begin to justify themselves. Like, didn't we try to tell you just to leave us alone? Didn't we tell you we're, we're better off here than following you? And we already begin to see that human nature thousands of years ago has a lot of semblance today because I don't know about you, but I've said more than one time, didn't I just tell you to leave me alone? Like we sense that call to justify ourselves. And already in this story, we begin to see a motive of mistrust and unbelief and yes, even rebellion against the word of the Lord. And, and we're gonna see that throughout our journey this summer, throughout the story of God's people. We're on this journey. We're gonna say to ourselves like, how can they not see? How can they not trust after all they've seen God do? You know what, in those moments, friends, I think we're going to understand the Lord looking at us and asking the same question. After all you've seen me do, why don't you trust me? Because you see, this, this is our story too. This is our stories too. As we rejoin them there on the seashore, we see Moses firm in his faith. He's calling out to the people. He's instructing them not to fear, to, to stand firm and see God work. And, and we see a parallel here to our text last week where the disciples and Jesus were in the boat and their fear of a storm overtook their faith in the Lord. And, and that's what we see here. The fear of the army is taking over their faith and their trust in the Lord and, yes, even their leader, Moses. But God was about to do something in this impossible moment that they couldn't imagine, they couldn't comprehend on their own. God was about to redeem his people. 
Now, you, you might be wondering, like, what happened? How did we end up cornered on a beach by an Egyptian army, right? Like, that seems like a good question, a good place to start for us today. And that story, what led up to this, are all very important aspects of the story. And if you want to dive into that, and I encourage you to do so, pick up in the tail end of Genesis and read up through our story in Exodus, and you'll get the full account. Because you see that the story that we're stepping into today, there on the beach of the Red Shore, uh, <laughs> of the Red Shore, of the Red Sea, really began, that began 430 years ago. So we're stepping into an ongoing story. Now relax. We're not going to go through all 430 years. That would take a minute. But there's a couple important pieces of this story we need to understand because that 430-year story is a story of God's people. It's a story of his provision. Because, see, 400 years before this moment, God's people came to Egypt seeking refuge, seeking relief from a famine. They showed up as just a small family, a small group of people. And, and through God's provision, through his hand, he had installed Joseph as second in command in Egypt to look after his people. And so as they arrive, things are going pretty good. The story starts out as rescue then. But as things would change in Egypt and the leadership would change and they forgot Joseph, they forgot his leadership, they begin to despise and be disgusted at the thought of God's people living among them in Egypt. And, and as time went on, so did the hatred increase of God's people. And, and to the point that as we step into our story, Pharaoh, the leader, the kind of the big dog there in Egypt, he, he had such a disdain for God's people that he commanded them to throw their newborn baby boys into the Nile River. They were trying to exterminate this people. That's the level of oppression. That's the level of bondage that the people were under in these moments. But God heard their cry. He heard their cry, and he set a plan of redemption in motion. And you see, he called this man named Moses to be their leader, to be the one who called them into freedom. But as you can imagine, Pharaoh wasn't excited about it because the Egyptians had enslaved God's people. They were the ones building and making bricks and doing all these things. He was not about to let his free labor force go. God had hardened his heart, but God had a plan. Through miraculous and supernatural signs, the plagues that God sent upon people, these were unimaginable, unbelievable things that God did to show his power over the Egyptians and over creation, yes, to show his election of his people. One time, I mean, crazy things like he, God turned the water into blood. Can you imagine if the South Fork over here turned crimson red tomorrow? That's the story that we're stepping into through the water turning into blood and hail being sent to decimate the land and the locusts coming and devouring any vegetation that's left. There was this one time, one plague in the story where frogs covered the land. Now, I confess to you that we've got a frog about this big living outside our basement, and he'll scare the daylights out of me if he jumps out and I step out the door, right? Like we come out the other morning, is headed to work, and this dude jumps. And it's just, like, you know, it's that startling, scared-to-death feeling over something that big. Well, can you imagine those little dudes covering the ground. You can't take a step without crunching a frog. Like, think about that. That's the magnitude of what God's doing. That's his power over creation. That's his election of his people. 
And so through these events, these unimaginable things, the land is desolate. The water is polluted. There's frogs littering the ground. Animals are dead. People are suffering. Yet Pharaoh wouldn't give in. Talk about being stubborn. He wouldn't give in. He wouldn't let them go because God had hardened his heart because he was going to display his power over the powers of evil. But the final plague, the final plague was the death of the firstborn children in all of Egypt. And at that, at the loss of the firstborn in Egypt, Pharaoh finally gives in. He says, get out of here. Go. That's enough. Be gone. And so at that, he tells the people to leave. But again, God hardened his heart. He hardened his heart and he changed his mind and pursued them. He pursued them right up to the seashore, right up to our story that we have jumped into today. And as we are on that seashore, the people are in a desperate place. They're in a place so desperate that unless God moves, their history, the story that's transcended generations is going to be extinguished on that shore if God doesn't move. They couldn't imagine a way forward, but God had a plan. It was a complex and a long story full of challenges and hardships. And maybe today you can relate a little bit to that feeling. That feeling that if God doesn't do something, you're history. Maybe for you it's a long story. Complex, twists, turns but yet you found yourself in that place with a sea before you and an army behind you and nowhere to go. Maybe that army today that's running after you is your past. Maybe it's your past that's refusing to let you go. Maybe, maybe it's a person Maybe it's a bully or an unfaithful friend or someone who has hurt you. Maybe, maybe the chariots in your story today might express themselves in fear or worry, anxiety or depression. Maybe they would express themselves today in disease or threat. Maybe you know well today what it feels like to stand on the shore of impossibility with imminent death and danger behind. Maybe you know all too well. What would it look like today in your story? No matter what your chariots look like, no matter what sees before you, what would it look like today for you to trust him? For you to trust him. As we rejoin the people of God in our text, we're going to see his power. We're going to see the power of God to redeem his people through impossible circumstances. Let's rejoin our text at verse 15 today. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, so this is just following the people's grumbling, the, the following of the, why did, I told you to leave me alone. This is following that. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you calling out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Verse 17, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all of his army through his chariots and his horsemen. 
Verse 18, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. It says, then the angel of the Lord God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side, so that neither went near the other all night long. Verse 21 says, Then Moses stretched out his hands over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind, and it turned to dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. See, in these moments of terror, this moment of doubt, the steadfast faith of Moses bears the weight of an entire generation. In the eyes of the people, they were stuck. There was no way forward, and there was no way backward. It was over. But that was through the human perspective. Because you see, God is the God who can make a way through the impossible. Our impossible is nothing to him. That's the story of redemption that we see in his scriptures today. What were they feeling in those moments? What would that have been like? You've never imagined this before. I mean, we wouldn't walk up to the ocean there in, in Virginia Beach and think, yeah, I can see God just splitting that. It wasn't anymore in their minds either. But what, what would be going through their minds as they witnessed this? Hollywood has, has tried often to capture this scene. And, and, and I brought a couple clips, and it is Hollywood's. Don't get lost in the details, but it does help us to see, to think about the men, the women, the children, the animals, just the scene that's happening on the beach. And so let's watch this clip and just step into that story for a moment. We need to cross here. We need to cross now. We cross here. We cross here. Ready yourselves. We cross here. Go, tell them. Go. Your orders are like the lash of the Egyptian whip. We are no longer slaves. And yet you are not free. You've lost sight of Canaan, land of your forebears. You have honored me with your trust. Now I honor you with my faith. Follow me and you will be free. Stay and you will perish. Do not be afraid. God is with us. Go! Ready yourselves. Go! God is with us. We cross here! As quickly as you can, gather your things and form in groups!
had never really picked up reading this scripture that as God commanded them to go through, like they had to pack up all their animals, all their things, everything had to go. What a movement. In this story, we, we begin to understand that, that as we, as, as God's people are backed up against the impossible, that God is not limited. He is not limited by our imaginations. He's not limited by what we can think up as the next step. He's not limited by our plans or our ability to foresee the next step. Because he has a plan for redemption. A plan that will bring him glory for generations to come. Our call as his people is to trust him. To trust him in those impossible moments. And to see him move. Let's begin our text again in verse 23. It says, the Egyptians pursued them. And all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and the horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw them into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from these Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Verse 26 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and their horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea went back into its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Get back! 
verse 30 and 31 says, That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses as their servant. Now, I know this is Hollywood, and don't email me about the discrepancies. But this was the defining moment for God's people. Can you imagine the scene that day? It was the faith of Moses that led them, for sure. But there's no doubt that it was the mighty hand of God who miraculously parted the seas to redeem his people that day and to bring them salvation. We, we see throughout this story and, and the hundreds of years before that God has pointed to himself and the work that he is accomplishing on behalf of his people. He only needs them to trust him, to trust him. To trust as God hardened the hearts of the enemies. To, to believe in him as he splits the sea and makes a way where there was no way. To see and believe him as he gains the glory. A glory that the whole world would come to know. The Lord went behind his people protecting them. And he went before them making a way for salvation. And the good news today, friends, is that's not just what God did. But that reveals to us who he is and who he is today. That he is the way maker who goes before you and comes behind you. He needs our trust on the shore of the sea of the impossible. Will you trust him? Will you trust him to do the impossible today in your life? You know, as I've studied this, and we got to go... I've wondered sometimes, like, Lord, why, why didn't you send a speedboat? Right? Well, why didn't you just go ahead and have the sea parted? What, what was going on here? You see, God had a plan. He wanted to display his power. Because I know when I come up to the shores of the sea in life, like, I'm looking for the speedboat. Sorry. I am. A fast one, preferably. Right? Sometimes, friends, this was not easy. And I know that the shore you're standing on today and the sea that you're looking at is not easy. And so I'm not flippantly saying, oh, just trust him. But it's a mark of a believer, the follower of Jesus, that we have to, when it's hard, when we don't see the speedboat coming, that we got to put our trust in him to do the impossible. And not to limit him by our imagination or our determination of a plan, but to trust him. Will you trust him today? On the shore of that sea in your life. Jesus said in Mark, he said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Will you trust him today? Will you trust him? I know today that there. There's a Red Sea in this room for somebody. And so that means there's feelings of fear, feelings of uncertainty. There's chariots coming down a mountain in your story. Will you trust him? Will you trust him today? And I know some of you have been through some Red Seas before.
So my second challenge for you today is to share that story. Because you see, we're gleaning, we're seeing the nature and the character of God of a story that happened thousands of years ago, friends. The story that is in your life, God's story of redemption in your life, has power to transform even today. Because people need to know. The people that you're going to school with, to work with, all these places, they have Red Seas too. And they're looking for hope. Share your story of your Red Sea. Would you pray with me today? Lord, um, I wish you'd send a speedboat. Wish you'd send a speedboat or, Lord, send us another way. Lord, those are all our normal responses to, to these moments. But, Lord, help us as your people not to allow us to miss what you're doing because we're looking for the speedboat. Or because fear has overtaken our faith and our trust in you, God. Give us today, your people, the strength to stand firm and see you move. To see you do the impossible. Lord, we need you today. Lord, I pray for that person standing on the beach today, if you will. That Lord knows a bit about what it felt like that day. The fear of angst, of not knowing what's ahead, God. I pray that you would strengthen that person in the power of your spirit. May they fix their eyes upon you. And trust. And trust. And Lord, I pray that as the story unfolds and as you give us opportunity, Lord, that you would give us strength to share our testimony. So that you get glory, Lord. Because, Lord, what I think I see in this story is that you get glory when your people trust you. That's a life worth living for your glory. Help us today, Father, in your name. Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cot naz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.